Well, here, I was going to say we are again, but I'll say I am. Here I am again. And welcome to another episode of Radical Humanity. My name is Ben Hoover. And you are encountering something new in my podcast series. And this is, I like to call this, this is a series within a series. So a mini series, maybe. I don't although it might go on for for a while. And in this series, this is I like I, I've titled it um, "Let's Get Honest." <clears throat> and uh, I'm I'm having fun with this actually because I, this is almost kind of like a daily journal. <clears throat> Only I'm not obviously writing. I'm I'm talking it out, and I'm just kind of exploring. Um, Exploring more of myself and exploring some of the encounters I had, the the experiences that I had of the day. And I'm not obviously going to do this every day, <clears throat> but there's certain things that happen uh, on certain days that stand out. And for me, they're worth talking them out. They're worth verbalizing them. And, um, and I wanted to put them on this podcast uh, you know, for whoever wants to feast on this. Um, but I like talking conceptually, and I often do, and, and a lot of my podcast is unraveling some of the big concepts, theologically, psychologically, you know, just just everything that kind of encompasses our humanity. And I like going to the roots and, and exploring that. <clears throat> I have a lot of fun with that, actually. Um, but I also wanted to, and and I do incorporate my, my, uh, the personal, my own stories, and I bridge that together, but I wanted to kind of have something that went a little more intimate. Um, it, it, it covered a little more ground of myself. It wasn't just something that was in thought form or, or conceptual form, idea. Um, and, um... And so I, I put my first podcast out there, the, the first episode in this little mini series, and um, I really liked it. But then afterwards, <laughs> I uh, um, I really fretted about it. Like I just thought, man, I I said a lot, and I wonder how I even sounded, and um, and and if anyone listens, whoever listens, like <laughs> what they're gonna think about it. But um, you know, at some point, I thought, you know, I'm gonna leave it as is. I'm gonna. You know, this is this. The reality is, we're all working out life, and some of us are okay with where we're at and don't feel a great discomfort. And some of us do. Some of us want to go further, deeper into mystery. Um, <clears throat> and and either side, it's not right or wrong. It just it's how it happens. <clears throat> some people feel um, in a, a growing and intense discomfort. Dis, uh, a restlessness in their life. They become discontent. And it compels them to start seeking. And some people may not experience that or they may quiet that. <clears throat> but for me, I, <clears throat> I, I wanted to... <clears throat> I wanted to really incorporate a little bit more of my story. And I like kind of... I, I'm, I'm kind of having fun with the art of doing podcasts. And um, <clears throat> I have a series coming up 
that uh, it's called. It's all in the Beatitudes, and I explain what that is in the in that series. So I won't explain that now. And but it's fun. I like having these little mini, uh, um, these little stretches where I I kind of talk about and build off of similar things. But this this will probably be ongoing, because um, I I really kind of want to explore my life and um, <clears throat> and so. Uh, and, and I, and I, I don't know, there's something about, I like when, I like when people get really honest about their own life. I was, I said probably in another podcast or I don't know when I'll post this one, maybe before the other one, but I was talking about, you know, there's someone I like listening to and I really, I really just love the way he thinks. And, um, but there's always this, I often have this reaction of, man, I, I want to know. I want to know more about you, not just how you think. And there's every once in a while where he's in his podcast series, he's conversing with a, a buddy of his. <clears throat> and I'll hear a little bit more of his story. And it's just, it just give me a crumb. And I always am left wanting more. <clears throat> and so, and so I, I like that. I like, I like when people open up. I like when they share about their life. I like when they talk about the struggle. I like when they talk about the joys or the, Everything that encompasses joy, the, the, the pain, the heartache, the, the struggle and that. <clears throat> and so I'm really excited about this episode, actually. Um, and it, it inspired, it came from inspiration uh, from, from a, a trip to the lake I took today. And this was a hard day, <clears throat> I got to be honest. But in this episode, we're going to talk about soccer parents, a walk with a friend, my lake trip, and what I discovered about judgment. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> here we are. So, today I, I went for a walk with a friend. I went around, we walked, you know, here and there, <clears throat> as often as we can. And we update each other in our life. And we talk about, we talk about the, the things we're, we're parsing out, we're unraveling. Um, <clears throat> and... It was a really beautiful conversation, and and he was talking about community, and he was talking about how he's really processing that, and he's talking about how how to really create that in his life, and and how he wants to bring himself forward in that, and he and he mentioned how when it comes to community, he's there's a desire for more openness, for more vulnerable sharing. <clears throat> Pardon me, by the way. I'm going to probably be clearing my throat often. Something got to me. So, uh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sip my tea right now. Okay. <clears throat> um, by the way, I'm drinking this really nice fennel tea. If, here's, a, here's a little plug. I don't, <laughs> I don't get any, I don't reap any royalties from this, but um, traditional medicinals are these incredible teas. Uh, if you're sick... Get the uh, throat coat. Really good stuff. All right. Enough of that advertisement. Back to what I was talking about. So he's talking about community. And he was talking about <clears throat> how sometimes he wants he wants there to be this collective sharing, uh, of getting more personal, in other words. But he noticed how he tends to demand. It, it, it turns into kind of... What he feels like it's, he said it was, he caught himself. There was more of a judgment. It was like, we need to do this. And, you know, it was, it was, there was a demand in a, in a way behind it. And, 
And he wrestled with that in himself. And and and, and engaged with the conflict of realizing how I can I could say this, but how do I bring this forward? <clears throat> how do I show up? And I and it re- I recalled a moment <clears throat> uh, it happened a couple times when I was in grad school and I would just get so frustrated. Because I would share stuff, and, and I wanted so badly for other people to share things. And I remember processing it in therapy with a, with a, um, a former therapist. And I remember him saying, because <clears throat> I was just I was so frustrated, and I was, I was judging people. I'm like, how come? How come people aren't opening up? And I want that. And, and I remember him saying several times, he said, Ben, he goes, you be the one to bring that. And... <clears throat> It was a moment when I heard that where it was very encouraging, but that didn't, it didn't last very long because I ended up, you know, the, the frustration return, you know, probably sometime in the week or the next class experience or at some point. But he would remind me of that. And it didn't quite sink in until probably these recent years where in this next phase of therapy with this other therapist who... You know, um, I will probably continue to see until I'm. I feel that I'm finished. Um, <clears throat> where that began to make more sense, and in this conversation, I began to connect what my former therapist said with my current experiences in therapy, um, with even uh, my work as a therapist, <clears throat> and just uh, and doing relationship, personally, friendships and whatnot. <clears throat> And I realized what what my old therapist had said was, yeah, that's true. I can, I can, I, I can want it. I can hope. I can, you know. Uh, there's moments where I expect it. I internally I demand it from people. I get so frustrated because it doesn't happen, and I want so badly for people to open up. But sometimes people don't want to go there, or sometimes they're blocked, or they can't, or you know, they're crawling in that experience of opening up. <clears throat> You know, and I and I and I want so badly to have that kind of mutual connected experience. <clears throat> and sometimes, if I admit, I I I want people to show up first, because then then what it does is it it sort of a, a, a reduces the anxiety, the fear, the mystery. Oh, they're doing it. Okay, it gives me permission because there is something powerful about that. That when something someone opens up. I feel in myself something open up where, oh, I can share this. It's okay. I don't know if you've ever had those experiences where where someone uh, in your circle, your network, shares. And this part of you, this like light switches on. There's this relief and maybe there's a little bit of excitement and openness and, and, and hope. Ah, and you realize... Oh, I can I can do that. I can share that. And it hits an experiential level before it even forms into a thought. There's just something warms in you. <clears throat> and that's that's often sometimes what I wait for is, oh, I hope somebody else opens up. Because that, that'll give me permission when really what's what's stirring inside of me is I want to share. I'm scared though. And <clears throat> and that is the risky path, is it not? That when we begin to engage with ourselves more openly. When we begin to touch things on a deeper level, when we begin to see things and they start to surface and and we want to start to express them or they, they compel us in a way to begin to express, to open up, to talk about the, the, the inner life. 
is that not sometimes it, it, what we might experience of there's this anxiety, there's this ex- exhilaration, there's an excitement, there's a thrill. Of, oh man, I'm going to share this. But there's a fear too. And sometimes we wait for the other person to open up. We, we live vicariously through others' self-disclosure. Because in a way, what we're looking for, what I'm looking for is permission. That this is okay to do this. And so, and so sometimes what, and what my friend had noticed is that, you know, there's this demand of let's, let's do this. And yet the very thing that burns in him that he wants to experience on a greater level, on a communal level, is that really is this nudge to begin expressing himself, to bring that forward, to offer himself in that way. And I noticed that for me, is that, that that's what I bring as a therapist, that's what I bring as a friend, as a lover, as a, as a son, as a brother, is to bring this forward, is to share my inner life, is to offer this. Is to become is to be genuine, <clears throat> and and it led to this this interesting conversation. I don't know how the I don't this metaphor just came up, and I said, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like soccer parents, where you know those soccer parents that are they're just, I mean, they're completely enmeshed with their kids and their in the sports, and and you watch those parents, and they're so they live vicariously through their children. They're so angry. They're angry when the, the ref uh, um, uh, calls something against against their own team and their child, and they you know they they become you know this 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 bear, this cougar, this mountain lion that they they want to pummel, they want to destroy and devour anyone that that uh, that uh, inhibits their child from succeeding in their sport. And they get so involved and so immersed and they, they lose themselves. And they stand on the sidelines shouting with vitriol, with rage, with venom. And, they, and, and not only with the ref, but they'll do that to their own kids. Yelling at them, screaming at them, you know, just, just wailing on them in a way because they want them to do really well. And why? Why? Why does that happen? If it's not, something's not worked out in themselves. Something's unfinished. It's almost as if they want their kids to experience something that they didn't get. Or maybe they relive something that they experienced when they were young. But, but I thought about that, how parents will demand, they, want, they, they, they will uh, uh, infiltrate themselves in their children's lives so their children can have their success. But really, it's the parents that want to experience that success. And their children wither, and their own true selves die. They go into hiding, become barricaded, because they've got to please the desires of their parents. But there's, but all this to say is that the parents will stand on the sidelines and they'll demand, they'll demand their children to be successful. And anything that's going to derail that or get in the way, man, do they become enraged by that. Right. And I thought I was talking with my friend about that. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, what we're talking about where where we 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 protest the injustice. We want people to be open and we want them to be vulnerable. All right. But but we don't 
we don't share that ourselves, right? It's scary. We want to live that out through other people. We want other people to do it, so it gives us permission in a way. And it's kind of like that with the parents. Is they, it's, they, they live through their children's lives. They want their children to have the lives that they didn't have, that they yearn to live, but they're scared to do it. So they force it upon their children to be who they want it to be. And and then I thought, I laughed with my friend about that. I'm like, I don't even know if that metaphor works, but whatever, it came up. And, you know, it's like, but instead the parents need to get into the game, play, engage, have fun, enjoy, run with their kid, pass the ball, play, you know, get in there and enjoy life. Bring themselves into the game. And I thought about that. I thought about on a, on a bigger level too. I guess I am kind of doing, going conceptual a little bit, how there's protesters. And you notice how protesters, they march the streets, they stand on the podium, they, you know, even there's that young girl, right, that will, that will, has gained such a, such notoriety and is featured in time, and I don't remember her name, but is, you know, promoting and, and protesting and fighting against the injustices that, uh, that continue to pollute the earth, the environment. And I mean, she's bold. I mean, that's, that's pretty badass. But I think about protesters in general, and I, because I, I linked it to myself, and I remembered that when I was, I was a part of the church, and I would stand on the sidelines, and I would get so angry when other people, how they would respond to me, or they would respond to other people, or, and I would become so enraged. And sometimes I wanted to get on the microphone and tell people off and, you know, and just with such anger and malice and not malice, but just anger and vitriol in my voice and, and, and indignation is tell people off that they should, they shouldn't be doing this. They should be doing, they should be doing it this way, the way I think is best. And how often do we do that? The parents that stand on the sidelines that rage at their kids or the protesters that stand on the pulpits that tell people what they need to do and how they need to change. Or me, that is in the shadows in the, in the, 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 the building where the church gathers. And I think that how they should do something. And there, there's, this, there's this judgment in there that my way is the best way. And when these changes start happening, when we start to wake up to stuff, when we start to see things, and we do start to see what's off in the world, we don't know what to do at times. We demand it to change in the external world through other people, but really, that's a helpless, futile endeavor. Because what that does is it, it might inspire, but what we don't realize is it creates these masses that continue to, to um, inculcate judgment into society. You should be changing. You should be doing this. When really my opinion is... Here's my opinion, is if we really want to change the environment, if we really want to impact it, if we really want to detoxify it from the toxicities, the pollutants, the way we treat it, well then, the real change happens within. Our love and care for the world and for those around come because there's this deep care and love that we experience inside of ourselves. That we carry this value and this worth inside, and that's what we carry into the world. We bring that forth that care, that value, we offer that. That really, that, that's where the change happens, in my opinion. 
And that's where it infiltrates on a systemic level. Now, other people will see it differently. <clears throat> and maybe that's a pie-in-the-sky you know, fantasy. But the reality is I care deeply for others when, when I care for myself, when I don't judge myself, when I listen to myself, when I take care of myself, when I enjoy who I am, when I feel what I need to feel, when I give value to that. That allows me, and it naturally allows me to bring that, to offer that to other people. Because for me, when I, when I am connected to myself, and I realize how connected I am to life, how in union I am to life with others, and how much I want to bring that to others. And, and yes, I experience the disharmony, I experience the disunity, I experience that. But there's a way of bringing that. That I can stand on a pulpit and demand that. And I have. I've done that. I've done that on, uh, I, I did that through my podcast. That's why I walked away for a while. Because it kept, I kept getting, uh, I wanted other people to see it. I wanted other people to get it. I wanted, and I'd fallen into depression. And, and I remember my therapist saying, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're in, you're depressed. To realize, like, I kept trying to force other people to see it, and I couldn't. All I can do is share what I'm experiencing. All I can do is share what I'm thinking about. These are all my thoughts. Take it or leave it. I don't know if I'm accurate or not. And I'm just sharing with people how I'm beginning to see things. What, what you know, what's changing in me? And that's the thing is when we rail against the systems at large, when we rail against people, when we demand that they change, it, it, in my opinion, it, it dies. I like that there's people waking up. I like that there's people that want, that want us to see, that want us to care for life and existence. I love that. I mean, that kind of ang righteous anger is beautiful. However, I've, as I've learned, there's a way, different way to go about it. And for me, it's about touching the deeper roots, affecting the soil, so something else grows, something vibrant, something life-giving. And when people know that they're cared and loved, man, do they share that with others, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so, so we're talking about this, and I thought, man, what a, what a beautiful thing that we experience, that we're, we're realizing, that when we wake up to this, yeah, we, we wish, we hope that other people do it, and often it turns into a demand because we don't want to feel so alone. We don't want to, we don't want to feel so isolated. <clears throat> what I notice in myself is that when I bring myself forward, when I am vulnerable, when I talk about my inner life, I don't feel so alone. When I share it with friends who maybe they can't reciprocate it back. For me, I'm learning that I can walk away and say, I'm, I'm glad I said that. There may be a sadness. There may be a disappointment. But less and less is there's this anger, this demand that, that they need to respond the way that I want them to. And man, for a while, that's, that certainly has been the case. But I notice that changing in me. I noticed the, the soccer parent is, is uh, the, the rageful soccer parent is starting to soften and I'm starting to play and go into the game and have fun and enjoy. Um, 
during this conversation, I was talking to my friend, and I opened up about a lot of things. And one of the things I talked about is this, you know, just the... My my whole experience, this grief experience of the breakup, and you probably have heard this if you've listened to many of my episodes. And and I talked about how much, like, I, I want to be lobotomized. Like, I just, I, I want this to be done. I, I, I don't want to feel this pain and this agony and go through this... The, these obsessive behaviors with with this ex-girlfriend of mine <clears throat> and and after this conversation I just well even in the midst of it I just felt heavy and then I went home or actually I went grocery shopping and I felt and the heaviness just stayed there and it was heavy when I got home and it was heavy when I ate lunch and and I was I would I was crying on and off and I just I felt this weight you know, I, I, I felt so trapped and imprisoned. This is the best way I could describe it. And it was so heavy and tormenting. And I knew I need to go to the lake. I need to go. I, I need to get out out of my house and go to the lake and just be outdoors. And I'm gonna feel what I'm whatever I'm gonna feel. Because this this grieving experience with this woman I fell in love with has been so awful. Awful. And I'm, I'm getting to a point here, which I think is really, for me, has been really, really, really amazing. And so, so, I end up going to the lake. And I text my friend and I tell him, hey, it's my turn. You told me that you're heavy, basically. It's my turn to tell you that I'm heavy. And it was, I don't know what it was, but just telling him that. And he said, hey, I'm here. If you want to talk, if you want to come over. Um, but it, just in saying that, something loosened the tightness. Something started to crack away, chip away at the heaviness. Just telling someone that. Not dissecting it, not having a conversation, none of that. And so I put on my backpack, I packed everything, and I, I went down to the lake. But as I was walking, in, not too far from my car, something hit me. And I realized, oh my gosh, in this grieving process, I've been judging myself. I've been hating myself for how I've been feeling and how I've been acting. Now, follow me here, because this, for me, this gets exciting. <clears throat> I, it was like this clarity came bursting forth. And now I've had these moments before where I realized that judgment has been this oppressive force. And when I mean judgment, I mean there's this kind of this voice going on in me that's, that it's not quite blatant that there's these, you know, these really defined words or statements being said, but it's just like there's an anger turned inward. There's this frustration towards myself. And 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 it comes and basically the the word form of that the 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 wording the verbalization behind that is there's something wrong with me this shouldn't be here right this is bad because that's what that's what judgment is is it's this evaluation about ourselves or others that on uh, categorizes uh, behaviors and whatnot as good bad right wrong should shouldn't be there and so on and so forth. And what happened when I was just barely on this trail was, oh my God, 
I've been judging myself for, for this grieving process, for how I've been acting. And, um, and so, you know, I, I kept walking and I got down to the lake and I just, I, I started to weep and it was this, it was out of peace. It was out of relief. It was out of this freedom. Because what I realized was that in this judgment, I wasn't accepting myself for where I was at, for what I felt, for what I wanted, for what I desired, for, I just, I kept trying to push it away. I kept trying to extinguish it. I mean, that's, that was the whole point when I said I wanted to lobotomize my brain. I wanted to drive a hole through my neurons. I wanted to rearrange the wiring so I didn't feel this way because inside what, was, what it was, was I kept hating this part of myself. And even when my therapist would say, as I was, um, you know, and as I've been processing this grief, as he says, Ben, you're not, you're not finished with her. You're not done with her. And I projected my own, my own inner judgment onto him, thinking he was judging me. I literally was interpreting that, thinking he was saying this was bad, when really that's been going on in me this whole time. And by the way, judgment, just so, I, just so you know, is judgment is, uh, is birth from the external. The reason why it's, we live with it and we judge ourselves is because we first learn that from others, whether it's from our parents, from our communities, from society at large. Like, we don't realize how much judgment infiltrates and infuses itself. It's such an insidious force in our lives. And, um, and what judgment does is it... Uh, it uh, causes us in a way to try to alter what's happening in us instead of embracing it for what it is, for how it is in us, for who we are in that moment, for how it resonates in us. What it ends up doing is we try to augment it, we try to alter it, we try to change it, we try to banish it. And that causes all kinds of problems. Like it did for me, I get anxious, I get heavy, I feel trapped, I feel this conflict. And so often, in these last several years, my therapist has always been addressing that. That you keep hammering yourself. You keep wailing yourself over and over and over again, and I just, I don't catch it. And then it'll help me understand the truth of what's, what's stirring in me, what, what's going on. Because I get so lost and confused. And just so you know, just so you, just... So you have this kind of rubric in a way, this assessment, is, is that when you feel really lost and confused, sometimes that might mean that there's, you're judging yourself. And you feel so far off in the woods of your, you're so far off the path that you don't even know what's going on. You're so disoriented that usually what, what's fueling that is that this harsh criticism about yourself whatever part of yourself. And so, and, and for me, judgment is, can often go, it's often undetectable. I mean, we're talking about 30 odd years of this going on in me. It's been pretty entrenched. And now more and more I'm catching it. And in this moment, this, this reached a level of clarity and awareness that I hadn't experienced before. I mean, uh, it I, I don't know how to put it into words. It, it just, the confusion had ended. It had parted. 
And I became very aware of myself. Of, oh my gosh, I'm not over her. I don't want the relationship anymore, but I'm not over her. And all this obsessiveness, this <clears throat> compulsive, like, looking on Instagram, did she see my story? Did she, you know, checking to see, did, maybe she read it. Did she read, did she listen to my podcast? Did she, you know, how come she hasn't looked? How come, you know, did her roommate look at all of that? Right? And, and I, and, and I mean, it has, it's been very compulsive and very consuming. And then I'd feel crushed if I noticed she didn't see or, or look or like anything or any of that. But if she did, then I'd feel all this hope and all this stuff. And then when I didn't, you know, when I noticed that there wasn't any response or she looked or something, what would happen is I would start creating all these scenarios. Oh my gosh, maybe she's in another relationship. Maybe she's, you know, she's this, maybe she's just done, you know, because I thought that if she was looking, well, that means she's holding on that maybe there's a, there's a sliver of hope that she wants to be with me. And you see, when I, I kept hating that part of myself, and what that blocked, what that inhibited was realizing, oh my goodness, I'm not done. As much as I didn't want her to be done, the truth was is that I'm not done. I don't want to let go. I'm not finished. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. It just, it's what it is. It's how it exists. And I approached it in such a, with such critique such evaluation that it shouldn't be there but the reality is that it is there not should or shouldn't it just it is and when I experienced this at this at the lake today I wept because I could embrace myself I felt free to just accept who I was who I am how this was in me that yes I don't want to let go that I want to hold on. That I don't really entirely yet want to feel the pain that this is done. And I can't cerebrally, you know, uh, um, I, I can't force that to change. I can't forge n new neural pathways. I can't, I can't, I can't push this. I can't control this. I can let it be as it is, as it exists. And it was interesting because in this moment, I was sitting at the lake, and, and concurrently, here I am in nature, where it exists as it is. It moves, it flows, it has its rhythm, it, the tree stands as the tree, it sheds, it grows new leaves in, the, in different winter and different seasons. It, it has this flow to it. And there was this tranquility that I experienced on the external, but also on the internal was, oh, this is just how it is with me right now. And it wasn't even a thought of, oh, one day it'll change. Or, no, it was just, yeah, I'm not ready to give up that up. I'm not ready for that to go away. And as I was talking with another friend who I saw shortly after to share with him about all this, the other, th the other memory came to mind was when I lost my family. We lost a dear friend. It was my mom's really good friend. It was about, f I don't know, maybe six years now. We lost her to breast cancer. And I remember when we lost her, I was, I was by myself because I think, I think 
I think uh, family was out of town or something. And I just wept. I mean, I was I was loading stuff in my car to go recycle, and I was just weeping the whole time. Weep in my car, wept as I was re- throwing the recycling materials away. I, I just wept and I wept and I wept. And there were moments where there was there was uh, breaks, gaps in the in the emotional purging, in the emotional experiencing. And I remembered like that the intensity started to wane. And I didn't want that to happen. And I, I thought about that further and I realized that I think because like at least feeling this emotion still felt connected to the person. That when it started to fade, it meant like this person was just going away. It was like they just become a memory in me. That's it. And the emotion, it felt just so real and so tethered and so connected as if the person was still there. And that's this grieving process of, of leaving, of loss of things ending. And and that's what I realized about this ex. Was that the reality is I don't I didn't want I don't want to say goodbye. Even though that's the reality what also is the reality in myself is that I don't want to say goodbye. I don't want her to leave and I don't want myself to leave. And I get scared as that's happening, I get scared that that is happening, and if, not if, it is. This moving on, this going away. And so, and so because of that, and what I realized is because of this obsessive turning, and okay, did she look, did she see, and checking Instagram or Facebook like a bazillion times a day, I realized what was fueling that was this judgment. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. I, it shouldn't be here. And that compelled me to keep looking even more. This When I created this restriction, so follow me here. When I created these restrictions, that compelled me all the more to keep going. When I forbid it, I wanted to engage with it more. But as I've allowed it to just be there, it's not as intense. Sure, I can look. And I will look. Because the reality is I'm not done. I'm not over her. It's not, she's not gone in me. She made a big impact in my life. And that will always be the case. But yes, there have these moments where I wish she would show up. You know? And so on and so forth. But then, I'm going to go a little conceptual here, but that reminded me, reminds me of, you know, what we call addictions or whatnot. These compulsive behaviors, these, these, these experiences we have where we turn to an object and we feel imprisoned by these impulses, we keep going, that really what is actually compelling us is not the object, it's the judgment in ourselves. And the judgment says, this shouldn't be here, I'm wrong, I'm fucked up, and whatever it is, it's some form of, this, is, this can't, you know, this, need, this is an outlaw, we can't, I can't have it. It shouldn't be here, it's not supposed to be there, I can't. Whatever you say, it's this some form of restriction, some prohibition. Is that not ingrained in our nature, in our culture at large? When we ban things, right? When we ban uh, uh, drugs, for instance. Well, what happens is, you know, there's billion-dollar industries, uh, 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 clandestine industries, that are trafficking drugs and, and using humans to do that and people are getting killed and so on and so forth because we, we, 
we uh, criminalize. We make these things illegal. And it only entices us to want it more, to go after it more. But we do this, not, not just externally, this, we do this in our own selves. Well, we first learned it on an external level, but we do it internally. Where we tell ourselves, I can't have it, it shouldn't be there, I'm not supposed to do it, like, I shouldn't be grieving, I shouldn't be looking, I shouldn't be... Which, <laughs> we, we, it's an illusion, we think that that's going to push this away, and it doesn't. It's only when we embrace ourselves, that we begin to hear something deeper in us. We begin to travel a little bit farther inside. We begin to open up in a different way. We don't attack ourselves for what we feel or what we do or what we think, what we fantasize about. And what happens is it begins to fade. The intensity begins to dwindle. It doesn't consume us as much. And that's what I noticed for me, was that I kept trying to push this away instead of welcoming it. And then I would, and then I noticed like even bringing it up with people, I'd be so, uh, I would, I would, There'd be sometimes a hesitation or anxiety in me of if I share this with them, are they going to judge me? And sure, that's legitimate to think like, what are they going to evaluate? Are they going to say there's something wrong with me? But all the while, what, what, what that really signaled was that I keep saying that about myself. I think that about myself. That there's something wrong because I keep wanting that. I think I even said in the other podcast, the other uh, um, Let's Get Honest podcast, is that you know I talked about the nature of the relationship, and yet here I am still wanting it. And I realized there, that's a judgment. That somehow, oh, because there was a lot of unhealthy things and the way she treated me at times and the way I was, like I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, no. That, that doesn't change it. This person made a deep impact on me. This person is still special to me. This person I still care about. This person I still love. Just still matters to me. And those experiences matter to me. And what I've learned from them matter to me. But I kept hating all that. And ultimately I kept hating myself for reacting this way. And so, so this is what I learned today. <laughs> and I love talking about this. And I love discovering this. And I love sharing this. And, and I want to, and I'll probably have some future podcast episodes where I do talk about the ju- I do have a podcast on judgment. But, man, this really kind of opened up, uh, uh, widened my understanding, deepened it, became clear to me of, wow, yeah, when we keep forcing this stuff away, we just want it all the more. And, um, man, I'm so thankful for today. I'm so thankful for what I got to experience. 
And I know I'll fall into judgment again, but I think more and more I'm less lessening and I'm beginning to realize, oh, okay, if I'm feeling really tormented right now, if I'm, you know, then then I've, I'm, I'm, I am railing on myself. I am, I am just going at myself harshly. And I've lost the truth. I've lost me. If I'm getting tormented, if I'm feeling so unsettled and anxious and this and and so constipated—that's a nice way to put it—clogged and and frustrated and uh, and so conflicted inside, it's um, it's probably because I'm fighting against myself. It's probably because I'm telling myself that this isn't supposed to be there. I'm trying to. I'm forbidding something from happening. But instead, the path is one of embrace. And even when I talk about it now, I feel at peace. I can embrace it. I can embrace that I don't want to let go right now. And I'm okay with that. I am. So, may you find yourself. May you begin to hear those, the, 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 the cacophonous sound of judgment that creates dissonance, that creates disharmony in you. That's the best way to put it, is that that's what you feel. You just feel out of alignment. And what throws one's one off of, uh, of being out of alignment or uh, of being aligned, what throws that off, what derails that is that it's probably because you're criticizing something in yourself. And we do that to ourselves because we learn that from others who's done that to us. So may you find yourself, may you begin to listen, may you go through the hard trials and tribulations at times, the, the rocky journey of finding you. And just know that oftentimes we're lost because we've got this external voice of judgment. So, on that note, and a very solemn, I got really solemn and quiet. Oh, one more thing too. I think that's a... Um, that's what I like. There, there's another guy I really like. His name's Richard Rohr, and um, I love I love hearing him talk at times and talk about himself. And he he was on this. Uh, I think he was on the Robcast. He was talking with Rob Bell, and they were talking. And he's and he said, "Oh man, I'm much too serious. You know, uh, you, like I, I need to be around you guys. Kind of, you know, this, this was sort of the conversation. I need to be around you. You're 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 funny. I I need that. Like I've always been so serious. But when he said that about himself. There was this fondness about him. It's like he accepted, he embraced that about himself. And there was something that was, there was something so lighthearted about it. And beautiful. And that, you know, I, re I thought about that. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I want to sound for me. That's how I want to approach me. It's like, yep, sometimes I'm serious. <laughs> sometimes I'm intense. Sometimes I talk about the, 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 the deep, hard stuff in humanity and 
sometimes I don't usually, oftentimes I don't talk about the joy and I want to and the pleasure and enjoyment, but, and I liked, I liked how he talked about himself. That's, that's where I want to be. So, on that note, may you find the soccer parent in you, <laughs> may you find the, 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 uh, may you find the true self in you. And you find your genuine self. I don't know why I said the soccer parent. Now I'm just rambling. Okay, on that note, till next time, everyone.